Mac Power Users, episode 459. My life is a subscription. Welcome back to Mac Power Users. Uh, this is David Sparks, along with my fellow co-host, Katie Floyd. How are you doing, Katie? I'm well, David. How are you? Did you forget how the uh, the show gets intro there? I, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about, you know, your big move, and I think I started to announce it as if I were you. Yeah, because that's your. You always say welcome back. I, I I have a very. Have you have you figured out yet how I intro the show? It's a very specific intro that I always do for the show. Yeah, I know. I just do you do you know where it comes from? There's and in fact, I won't tell you. We'll see if other people can can figure it out. But it's a it's a very specific intro that I do for the show, and it comes from a specific place. So we'll see if anybody figures that out. I think I know, and I'll tell you offline. I don't want to spoil the uh, the contest or whatever we're doing here, but the. Uh, I think I, I think I should do know. Anyway, um, so here we are, uh, episode four hundred and fifty nine. Uh, we're going to be talking about subscriptions today. Uh, we've got some complaints with subscription models. Uh, there's some things we like about it, and we're going to talk through um, how we believe you should think about it. And we're also going to share some of the apps and services we think are worthy and not worthy of our subscription money. So that's the big outline for today's show. But before we do. I know we had a couple introductory things to cover. Yeah, the first off is I just wanted to say thank you to the MPU community. You know, I made a big announcement on the last episode. And if you didn't hear it yet, I would encourage you to either go back and listen to it or uh, there's a post in the show notes that I'll, I'll post to the MPU forums. Uh, the short version is I announced that I would be leaving Mac Power users at the end of, uh, of this year. So December 31st of uh, 2018 will be my last episode of MPU. And it's all good things. All good things are happening in my life. And and if you um, didn't hear the announcement, you can go back and listen to it or, or read the post. And Stephen Hackett will be coming back or coming in as the new co-host to Mac Power users starting in January. But I have gotten such tremendous um, uh, kind feedback to that. Um, so many people have written with their well wishes, letting me know how much the show has meant to them, letting me know how happy they are for me. Uh, really supportive feedback from the Mac Power users community, and I just wanted to take a moment to say uh, thank you so much. It um, uh, was really touching. I, I started going into the to the forum and trying to like and and put the heart on as many of those as I could. And at some point I just had to stop. And and if I didn't heart yours, please don't take any offense. It wasn't anything personal. Uh, at some point there just became hundreds of responses and I had to stop because I couldn't, I, I've read every one of them um, and I've read all the emails and the tweets and I, I cannot reply to all of them, but I did just want to give you a, a heartfelt thank you um, for your kind wishes. Warms the cockles of my heart. Yes, it does. To the super mundane, uh, thanks everyone for checking out the field, gift wrap field guide, <laughs> the free field guide I released over the Thanksgiving weekend. A bunch of people have been downloading it, enjoying it, and wrapping great gifts. And uh, one of my favorite comments in the forum was the uh, the person that posted about um, how much they enjoyed Katie's outrage that that was what I was talking about, releasing a new gift wrap field guide. So <laughs> just one more thing we're going to miss, Katie. Just one more thing. I have opinions, you know. Sometimes I I lack a filter. All right. Um, so we uh, with Katie's last month. I really want the one thing I want to do is just send her out on a bang, cover all the shows she really wanted to cover, and um, and make sure we you know we talked to some of your favorite people and did some of your favorite topics. And this is one of the first ones that came to mind uh, that Katie wrenches is we need to talk about subscriptions. So uh, so Katie, why are we talking about subscriptions today? 
Well, uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, first off, I do want to give props to this show uh, to Father Michael Freinus. He wrote in the MPU forums. I, I believe the title actually comes from the title of his post in there. Um, this is a subject that has been wrapping around in my mind for a long time. And the thought of the the way that we're paying for things has changed. And it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in the show. But it's a change, and it's something that we have seen evolve over the years as we've been doing this show, where subscription model of pricing for software and services has gone from being very rare to now becoming fairly normal. And so why are we talking about this now? Um, the big reason is probably that I am pretty notoriously cheap on this show. Um, and I will tell you that this is something that I've been thinking a lot of. I've been thinking more about my monthly expenses. Um, I'm going to be taking a dip in my income after the first of the year for completely unrelated reasons. Um, but um, the uh, the thought of, you know, I, I've always been a big budgeter and I like to know where my money is going. I'm kind of a subscriber to the Dave Ramsey philosophy, if you, you can Google that and, and see what that is. But when I actually sat down and started plotting on a spreadsheet, and we'll put a link in the show notes to your spreadsheet, David, uh, about how much money I was spending and where, uh, I realized that a huge portion of my spending goes to recurring monthly charges. Now, a lot of that is, you know, normal spending stuff. It's stuff like utilities and insurance and and mortgage and taxes and those types of things. But a lot of that is more discretional spending that has now become recurring monthly or yearly charges. And I pretty quickly realized that one of the most efficient ways to save things, uh, shave things off my budget was to see what of those recurring charges I could either eliminate or reduce. And so I started taking a hard look at those subscriptions. And because subscriptions are becoming much more prevalent in uh, the way that we pay for things now, I think it's really easy for those subscriptions to get away from you. And so I thought we would take a look at them on the show. Yeah, and I also think that the subscription pricing model, for better or for worse, or probably both, is really taking off in the technology sector. Um applications and services that we use, whether they're web-based or even just software in our computers, more often than not now requires you to buy a subscription to it. Um, gone are the days when you bought the $400 version of Microsoft Word. Now are the days where you have the $10 a month subscription to Office 365. And um, uh, I'm sure for a variety of good reasons, the companies have decided to do that. Some of them are probably consumer-friendly and some of them are consumer-hostile. But uh, we wanted to just talk about that as a concept today and also the specific you know, things that we think are worth it for us. I had a hard time, I will tell you, with the transition to subscriptions because um, I tend to be adverse to the idea of payments. I don't like to owe anybody money for anything. I like I I much rather just pay for something outright and be done for it. And then if I need to pay for it again, pay for it again. But that's not necessarily – I've, I've changed my thinking a little bit when in terms of, you know, app subscriptions and pricing because I realize that's not necessarily the way that the world works now, and, and maybe that's okay. There, there definitely is a place for subscription pricing. Maybe it's used too frequently. Maybe there are places where it shouldn't be used. 
but there definitely is a time and a place for it. And so that's that's kind of what I, I thought we'd, we'd talk about. Yeah, I was thinking about when Steve Jobs was alive at one point, someone asked him about music subscription services. And of course, this was before Apple had one. And he says, nobody wants to rent music. They want to own their music. I still don't want to rent my music, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, and, and that, well, that's a good example. And we've talked about this in the past on the show because you are not particularly into music. You know, you, you know what you like and you own that and you're good. But if someone wants to own, well, we, we can talk about that later. But it just, you know, it depends on where you're coming from with this stuff. But getting back to the jobs position, I think a lot of people, you know, in, in my age range, grew up just buying stuff, buying software, buying music. So it was definitely a transition for us. But there are some good things about this. Um, I, I, for instance, I was talking to a developer at WWDC, and I'm not going to name the app because I don't have their approval to do this. But you know, they they had they made a subscription change in their application, and they were very frank with me. They're like, "Well, you know, now we can continue in business. If we hadn't done that, we would have been out of business by now." And it's an application that I use all the time. So I was glad that they made that successful transition. Um, you know, the the old model of racing to make updates with questionable new features so you could charge people again uh, seems to be going out in a new model of charge a subscription, um, send them an update as, as often as you can to make them, you know, to prove your value uh, isn't necessarily bad. Um, uh, you know, I never really felt comfortable when I was in school and I knew all these people that would steal copies of the Adobe apps. You know, everybody had like these bootleg copies of Photoshop and, and these expensive apps that at the time were like thousands of dollars. I never did that because I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. You know, I don't want stolen software. Um, but now someone in school can get a student subscription to Adobe or even somebody who's out on their own and it doesn't break the bank. So, I, I mean, I think there are some good things to this. But there's also some bad things because this is a tricky way to get you to spend more money than you would normally. And I think particularly the case with an app that you don't use often enough to justify it. I agree. Again, they're they're good and bad. So let's talk a little bit. Maybe maybe that's where we should break it down. There are good things and bad things about the subscription model. Let's let's maybe before we dig too deep, much deeper. Let's talk about some of the good things about a subscription model. Um, I, I mean, the the big one, and you've identified it, is it is ongoing revenue for developers, and it promotes development. You you made the point of your developer friends at WWDC who told you they would not be in business had they not moved to a subscription model, and you would be sad because that was an uh, you said a, an application that you use all the time, and you would be sad if that was no longer in business. So, obviously, keeping developers and and having letting them have a sustainable income so that they are more likely to stay in business, more likely to promote development. Those are all good things. Sustainability is a good thing. Well, I think a, a side benefit of that is also it gives them developers in general, the freedom to make more powerful applications. Um, one of the things we were seeing before subscription model kind of took off was this kind of flashbang in the app store where people would come up with a cool app. They would charge a little money for it but they would never take it to step two, three, or four because they'd already got the money out of the app and they couldn't afford to do further development on it. They'd have to go find a new concept, a new app, make something entirely new and do that with the same thing. The flashbang, you get the, the app out, it's cool. I mean, how many great apps during those years just lingered and never went anywhere because the developers really didn't have a way to 
uh, to do that without working for free. And to that end, um, a subscription model is probably a more appropriate pricing model for certain types of apps, apps that are designed to be used more long term, as opposed to apps that have a specific purpose and are really kind of feature complete from the get go. You know, apps that are going to continue to grow and develop apps that have any kind of service component behind them, um, you know, apps that have continuing feature improvement and that there is room to grow. Those are probably apps that make a lot more sense for a subscription pricing model as opposed to the, you know, you called it the flashbang app, you know, the app that has maybe one or two direct iterations that that is maybe more appropriate for upgrade pricing. And and I still see this other principle in motion where there is a an obvious next feature for apps. In fact, I'm using some apps right now that are not subscription model where I've been writing the developers saying, hey, I use your productivity app all the time. Here's two or three features I'd really love to see get in. And I know they're features that aren't necessarily going to be huge to add. And quite often you get the impression they're waiting on that until the next the next version they sell, you know, because they got to have something to put on the bullet list when they announce the next version. That's another point where if if they had a subscription model, it encourages developers to make more regular updates as opposed to holding those features back. I mean, the, the down the biggest downside, I think, is just fatigue for consumers and and just the idea that you're going to try this out and forget about it. I just like I've been playing with um, um, with applications that will put the text on the screen for me, like when I'm shooting a video, you know, um, uh how come I forget the name of it? The, you like know, the, teleprompter the tele, Teleprompter software. And I just saw the other day, I got charged a couple subscriptions on some of those teleprompter apps where I signed up for the subscription just to see if I could make it work with all the features. I forgot to turn it off. And, you know, my bad, it cost me $5 because I didn't pay close enough attention to that. And, um, and it was something I was trying for a video and I didn't stop to put it in my spreadsheet, which we're going to talk about later. So I think one of the downsides, it's easy to spend money you didn't mean to spend because once you get on that train, it doesn't slow down unless you voluntarily jump off. Yeah. The flip side of that is it also can be a good thing in, in terms of if you're paying for a, a monthly or a shorter term subscription it can allow you to hop on and off the train. You know, if you need the Adobe Creative Cloud suite for a project that you're using uh, for a couple of months, you can buy it for those months that you have that project and turn it off for the months that you don't. That makes sense. The The other thing is, it's like we've said, um, consumers can end up spending more for apps and services with a subscription model than they would have if they just bought it outright. And it's it's really easy for them to get away from you. The runaway train, to take your analogy a step further. I think the the rules that Katie and I would probably agree to on this stuff is that um, when you have an app that you use that switches over to subscription, I think you should take the attitude that if they're going to get you to subscribe, they need to earn it. You know, um, I I think sometimes I get accused of being too much of a cheerleader for developers, and that's probably true because I, I'm friends with so many of them and I see how hard they work. But the fact is, I don't just blindly to subscribe to an app just because a developer adds a subscription. I, I still feel they need to earn it. If you're going to charge me money over time, I need to see the rollout of features. I need to see the stability in the app. I need to see that, you know, you have a plan to use this money you're now collecting to make the app better. And, 
And that earning it isn't just when you first sign up. It needs to be in on an ongoing basis. Later, we're going to talk about my uh, spreadsheet. I, I have an OmniFocus task that requires me to review that spreadsheet frequently. And, and I'm going to talk in the show later about some apps that, frankly, even though I was once happy to pay for, I don't pay for them anymore. The, the other thing I would, I would add to this is when you consider signing up for an application, I think you need to look at the proper timeline. Um, uh, don't look at the app for a one-month subscription. Look at it as a one-year subscription. You know, um, If it's a dollar a month, it's a $12 app. It's not a $1 app. You know, and, and realistically, are you going to get $12 of value? That's pretty easy when they're at those lower dollar values. But if you've got an app that like, um, uh, $15 a month or even more, uh, some of, you know, some of the like office 365 and some of the Adobe stuff gets quite expensive per month, do the math, you know, times 12 and, and look at that number. And if that number shocks you for what you think you're going to get out of it, that's a good sign. You may not want to jump on board with that one. And I think this is where pricing is so important from the developer standpoints. And I think some developers have made mistakes in their pricing. Some of them have then corrected those mistakes. Um, but it's so important to price it properly. And, and that can be hard because what's your stuff worth? What's your time worth too? Hey, before we get on to how to manage these subscriptions and even talking about a few of the ones that we like, I want to take a minute to talk about our first sponsor, and that's our friends over at Gazelle. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Gazelle.com, the go-to website for buying and selling used devices. Are you thinking about updating to the new iPhone, or maybe you just bought a brand new fancy iPad Pro, but you got an old one sitting in a drawer? Gazelle will pay you for your current phone or iPad. Visit Gazelle.com and answer a few easy questions to get your quote. Your quote is good for 30 days, so you can lock in the best price before it depreciates and have time to decide which phone or iPad you want to buy to replace it. I did that same thing, Katie. When the new iPads came out, I, I put my old one up for sale on Gazelle a week before the announcement. So I got the best price for it. Shipping is free and payment is fast. Get a check in the mail, an Amazon gift card in your inbox. That's what I do, by the way. I get the Amazon gift card and then we can do our Christmas shopping with the proceeds of my old iPad. And um, you can even get direct deposit into your PayPal account. You can also shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade devices in for cash. Give new life to a used device to visit gazelle.com today. Um, now, Gazelle is the trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics. If you trade in your old device for cash or buy a certified pre-owned uh, pre one or do both, Simply visit gazelle.com and find out instantly what your device is worth. You'll get a quote right away. You answer a few simple questions and you're good to go. All online offers are free. So if you're listening to the show right now and you've got an old Apple device in a drawer, just take a minute, go to gazelle.com, plug it in and see what that's worth to you. Um, all online offers are free. Simply uh, answer the questions and you're good to go. Shipping is free and payment is fast. Uh, Gazelle, in addition to Apple devices, Gazelle also accepts Samsung Galaxy S9, iPhone 8, iPhone 10, MacBooks, and more. Now, if you're buying from a Gazelle, uh, you can get a certified pre-owned device. And I've done this as well. Uh, when my daughter's phone broke, we just got her a used one off Gazelle, saved us a bunch of money, and it's a great device. Um, they, their uh, iPhones are checked out. They go through a certified 
you know, checklist for it when we got it. The thing looked like it was new to me. I couldn't tell any difference. And they're fully inspected and they have a 30 day return policy. You are not going to get that from going online and, you know, meeting some guy behind the Home Depot to buy a phone. So it's just a great company. They've been around a long time. They even provide financing if you want through a firm. Uh, I have been using Gazelle for a long time. When I used to try and sell them myself, it was always frustrating. What I love about Gazelle is they just make it so easy, and that's a company you can trust. So give new life to used devices or lock in the value of your phone or iPad to trade it in for cash. Or go ahead and buy a certified pre-owned device for a fraction of the price. That's gazelle.com. Visit gazelle.com today and get started. And when you sign in, let them know you heard about it at the Mac Power Users. Thank you, Gazelle. So let's talk a little bit about managing these subscriptions because we talked about earlier in the show, it's so easy for these to get away from you. And as we found out with the thread in the MPU forums, a lot of people say are started, it kind of became this thing where everybody was starting to share what their monthly subscriptions were. And so many people, when you got to the bottom of their post, you would see something like, wow, I never really thought about this until I wrote it all down. I need to go through and comb through this. Or I had no idea I was I was subscribed to this many things. Now that I actually sit here and think about it, there are probably more. Um, so it seems to me that the key of this, and if you get nothing else from this episode, y- you need to first figure out exactly what you're paying for and how many of these subscriptions you have and exactly how much money you have going out on any given month or, or any given year. Um, David, you have a great tool that you're giving away for free, and I'm, we're going to put a link in the show notes to your website. Uh, it's a subscription database that you made with numbers, and it's pretty simple. It gives you information about what is the subscription um how often does it renew? Is it yearly or monthly? So if it's yearly, it breaks it down, does the math, divides it by 12. So you can get a breakdown of exactly how much you're spending per month um, on this database. So it will break it down for you. Uh, when is your renewal date? So again, if it's yearly, it renews every October. You'll you'll see when it renews. And then you've got a space where you can write things like, how do I cancel this? You know, where where's the information for it? That's, that's one of the most important pieces because – um, a lot of these services are Roach Motels. They make it really easy to sign in. They make it really hard to sign out. Uh, I, I found this particularly true with the subscription services for my children when you know the kids were little and we'd sign them up for some online thing that they wanted to do. It was like it was really like running the gauntlet to get unsubscribed from those services. I find most of the the like iOS developers make it real simple. Apple has done a great job with the App Store of going to one place, seeing where your subscriptions are, and unsubscribing right there. But the people out on the internet quite often aren't quite so uh, consumer friendly. So when you sign up, make sure you write down the phone number, the the email account, all the stuff you need. That if you ever decide you don't want to do this anymore, you can get out of it. I use your subscription database. It's it's the one that I use. You don't have to use your subscription database. It it can be something as simple as keeping a a running notes and Apple Notes, or it can be something as simple um, as just a, a piece of paper that you keep on your desk. Or desk, um, or you could even go more complicated if you want to, and and keep like a a spreadsheet in Airtable or Google Docs. It you know just use this as a, a form. Uh, the nice thing about using a spreadsheet for it is it allows you to do easy math, you know, you can, like I, I do the spreadsheet I made shows you what you're paying per month or per year, but it also gives you a running tally at the bottom. And as you add and remove services, it makes it really easy to, to see what the total balance is for you. 
So this is what scared me because I started putting everything in my subscription database and I I put I didn't put like insurance and utilities. I kept those out of it, but I did put things like my gym membership, my cell phone bill and um like my, you know, my alarm and and those types of things. I got up to $234 a month. Ugh. Now, a big chunk of that is is my, you know, my home internet service that I that I stuck in there and, you know, my gym membership and those types of things. So if I pulled those out it would be a lot smaller, but um yeah. We'll talk a little bit about how it got up there so quickly, but I was I was uh surprised. Yeah, and and it's, you know, we're we're going to focus on tech stuff because this is the back power users. But this this uh, new thing about subscribing is not just happening in the tech sphere; it's happening everywhere. Um, uh, the um, one of the best things I like about the App Store uh, that Apple has done, as Apple has embraced subscriptions. I mean, Apple. I guess we should mention this: Apple has not made it really easy for developers to to follow the old model of upgrade pricing. I mean, one of the reasons why developers are increasingly using subscriptions is because, you know, like the old days, you would buy version one of the software, and then, you know, a year later, you'd get an email saying, hey, version two's out for this this fee, which is something less than what you paid for the app. You get updated to version two, and then you'd, you know, send your information into the developer, and they'd send you a license for version two. And that's the way a lot of software still works that's distributed on the internet. But stuff in the App Store, whether it's the Mac App Store or the iOS App Store, doesn't have that option. You know, if the developer wants to make version two of whatever app, they have to sell it all over again. You don't get the benefit of being a previous owner. There are some ways around that, like the Omni Group has done a good job of figuring out a way around that where they look at to see if you have the prior app installed and then they give you a reduced upgrade fee. But it's kind of goofy and it certainly doesn't um, – it's not as clean as that used to be done. It's a lot easier now than it, it used to be for sure, but um, it's it's easy to go through and look at it. And so, so the, the point I was making is since Apple isn't really supporting upgrade pricing – uh, they've got on board with the whole idea of subscription pricing. But one of the things they did right is they've got a simple screen in your iTunes account. You can go in there anytime and see everything that you're subscribed to. And that is really useful. Because the, the way that you get there, and you can do it from any device now, if you go from an iOS device, log into the, uh, or just go to the iTunes store, whether that's through music or movies or wherever, just log into the iTunes store and then scroll down to the very bottom and you'll see a, ca- a tab that says um, Apple ID with your, your name and Apple ID. And you can view your Apple ID and it will bring you up to the page to load your account. And once you get into your account settings, there's uh, if you scroll down about halfway through the page, there's a section that says subscriptions. And in your subscriptions, you'll see active and then you'll see expired subscriptions. And you have the option of either clicking on a subscription and you can deactivate and cancel a subscription. You can see exactly what you're paying for it, when it will renew and and how much it will renew for. Um, or you can deactivate that subscription. So I've got one in here that I am currently paying for and it's active until October of 2019, but I have gone through and I've turned off auto renewal. So it's not going to automatically renew. And then I have one inactive subscription. Um, it's CBS All Access because Discovery is not currently on right now. Um, 
and it's it's inactive, but I can easily reactivate it if I would like to. Yeah, in fact, I was going to call you on that, Katie, because we have later we're going to talk about things we've subscribed to, and you didn't have CBS All Access on your list. I don't, know. and I, I was I was ready to call you on that. Did you read the notes and the parentheses? I don't know. There's so oh, many yeah. notes in here. There's uh, so but many. But the uh, I didn't see, I didn't catch that. But the um and Star Trek is so good on C. I I don't know. Um, I thought you were upset at it right now. I'm upset, but I I just feel like the production value, the casting, man, that, that's some good TV. But anyway, um, I, I'm not going to subscribe to it though. I'll just buy it once a year. The um. Getting back to uh, a point I wanted to make, though, is when you were talking about the subscription model through iTunes and how you can easily unsubscribe, uh, because some humans are terrible, uh, there is a very uh, common phishing scheme out there. I think we should just make note of it now while we're talking about this. Um, there are some some terrible people out there that have done a really good job of aping or creating an email that looks just like an Apple confirmation of a subscription. Did you say aping? Is that a word? Yeah, like monkeys, you know, I, aping. I don't think that's a word. I've used that. My it was it was very common in 1980s Southern California. If you copied somebody, you were aping them. So I don't know. Okay. Back in my uh, you know my skateboard bicycling days, the um either way, uh, so they, they're copied. Uh, they've made an email that looks almost ex- exactly like it comes from Apple, and it'll say, "Hey, you know, we're just conf- this is Apple." friendly Apple here. We're just confirming that you subscribe to the one I keep getting is about YouTube, YouTube red. Uh, so we've charged you the hundred dollars. If you want to unsubscribe, just click the button below and sign in and you can unsubscribe. <laughs> you know? And of course, the first time I got that, it was, it was close enough. And when you've got, you know, two children, you're like, what did they do now? Right. I mean, that's the first thought. I mean, I don't know. Did they push a button somewhere and sign up for YouTube red? And, um, so what I did is I went exactly like Katie did. I went to uh, my iTunes account and looked at my subscriptions. And sure enough, there was no YouTube Red subscription. But I'm sure if I had clicked on the thing in that email and given him my iTunes account credential, I would have been asking for a whole lot of, of pain and suffering. Have you seen that? I've seen that. I, I think I've gotten one for YouTube Red. And I looked at it. And I was like, <laughs> nope. Yeah, well, it's easy when you're alone. But when you've got teenagers, you, just, you honestly don't know. Because sometimes... Their brains aren't hooked up to think about stuff like that. <laughs> so I wonder how many people they catch in that, though. So, so keep an eye out. If, you're, uh, if you've got some uh, members of your family that aren't as wise as you, maybe next time you're talking to them, maybe, you know, holiday dinner or whatever, remind them that that stuff is out there. Yes, that's true. Um, all right. Uh, so a- Apple's got a great way to unsubscribe. That's another way to manage it. Get a spreadsheet. Um, and then the thing we've been coming back to repeatedly is you have to have a plan to keep track of these because it's not just that a subscription earns its way into your portfolio when you first sign up for it, but you need to be coming back to that. Um, the yearly ones are really tricky because you forget about them and you get hit for another year without any warning. So um, if you get hit for an extra month, like I got with those those um you know, those services I was talking about earlier in the show, uh, one month that I can handle, but when I get hit for an extra year, I just feel really stupid. So have a system. I use OmniFocus with a recurring reminder where it's every six weeks. I just take a look at the, at the list to see what, what makes the cut. It takes me all of about five minutes and it saves me a lot of money. The other thing that I think you should do while you're reviewing them, not just to see if you should keep them on or keep them off is you should also look at, um, are there alternatives to the things in your subscriptions? And we'll talk about this in a little more detail, but kind of high level, 
um, as you're going through your list, can you get rid of something in your subscription list? Maybe because you're using something else or there's something better. For example, um, I was looking at that $45 a year that I was paying for Evernote and realized that, you know, I could get out of Evernote and consolidate into some existing apps and services. And it wasn't the $45 a year that was killing me. It was just that I wasn't really using it. And to go back to your point about CBS All Access, uh, there's a, a question of, do you really need to subscribe all year? So, Uh, David, I'll tell you, honestly, you do this smarter than I do. Uh, I just, I'm very obsessive about my Star Trek and I want to see it immediately as soon as it comes out. So that's a a luxury that I indulge in. But the way that you do it is a lot smarter. Um, I subscribe to CBS All Access only during the Star Trek Discovery season. And of course, you know, they, they release that in such a way so that you have to subscribe for multiple, multiple months if you want it all during the season. Cause, you know, they take breaks and, and those types of things. And so I think I, I just looked and I, I stopped my Star Trek Discovery subscription in March. I think I probably started it, let's say, in September. Um, so I, I subscribed for, you know, what's that, six months or so at, at you know, $9.99 a pop. I spent 60 bucks basically to watch Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access because I wanted to watch it every Sunday night when it came out. Um, you spent, I, I'm, I think it came, I think it was 34 bucks when it came out on iTunes. So you spent almost half of what I spent, but you had to wait a year before you got to see it. Yeah, and and all of the listeners in the forums are having great fun at my expense as I'm on this emotional journey. Yes, things happened. I don't even know. I haven't finished yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I think I need to schedule a weekly call with Katie just to kind of get me through this. Well, and here's the thing that's that's dumb about it, too, is I, I am also – I put it on my Christmas list. If I don't get the DVDs for Christmas, I am also going to buy it for, <laughs> okay. well, for hey, Christmas, you know. which which means I, I've now also spent the 60 bucks to watch it live, quote-unquote, and I will also spend the 35 bucks to watch it again later. So, yeah, haha, joke's on me. I really should just buy it when it comes out, but I want to watch it now. Katie, you're not a robot. I know you're 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 entitled to have things that you spend money on once in a while. I'm uh, entitled to spend ninety bucks on Star Trek Discovery. You certainly are. You have my permission. And Ugh. when when Disney releases their streaming service next year with two separate Star Wars series on it, there's a very good chance I'll be signing up for that. And um, anyway, uh, but but that's just kind of getting around that issue of making big boy and big girl decisions. Uh, the the big point I want you to take away from this segment is have a system to check the list. And Katie's right. You don't only just look at the list to say, well, am I getting my value out of that? You look at the list to say, is that thing still worthwhile to me? Um, my war story lately is Dragon Dictate. I've been an avid Dragon Dictate um, user for a long time. They've now stopped support on the Mac, which is real sad. I haven't really talked about that on the show, and probably today's not the day. And they've also... Uh, for whatever reason, Dragon Anywhere, which is the $15 a month service, so this is an, an expensive one for me, but it was an excellent um, dictation engine on the iPhone and iPad. had its own custom dictionary, and it had uh, it had no timer, so I could dictate for minutes or as long as I wanted to go, and it would work. It has, for me, in the last two months, just turned complete. It's been terrible. Uh, you know, it's just the dictation is unrecognizable. I don't know what something has changed with that application where it's just not working for me anymore. And at the same time, drafts 
uh, has got this great system where you can dictate uninterrupted, sort of, on iOS. It's just a built-in feature in the application. And then there's apps like Just Press Record, which use the built-in transcription engine. And also, by the way, Day One has an amazing transcription engine in it now that's using Apple's built-in. I'm getting better results from apps that I don't pay $15 a month for than I am for from Dragon Anywhere. So I've canceled that subscription. So so we're always looking at, you know, even though this app earned its keep last month, is it earning its keep this month? And, uh, you know, it just it's an ongoing question in your mind, and then you're going to feel good about the money you're spending. Yeah. I think another thing you can look at is, are there places where you've duplicated your services? And one where I found this is um, iCloud and Dropbox. I am really considering dropping Dropbox and transitioning over completely to iCloud. And part of the reason I can do this is I still use Dropbox for a lot of things, but I think I have enough space that I've got from bonuses and referrals and those types of things that I can probably use what I need to for that. Um, But I already pay for iCloud and I have so much extra space in iCloud based on what I pay for. And I can't drop down a tier because the next tier is a big drop down. You know, are there places where can I get rid of my one terabyte that I'm paying for a year in Dropbox and just use iCloud? Then maybe, maybe I can. So, and that would be another question to ask is, are there places where you're maybe paying for a higher tier of service, but you could drop down to a lower tier and save money? Like, do I need to pay for the 9.99 CBS All Access or could I pay for the 5.99 and watch the commercials? Uh, another th- bit of enlightenment I got from reading the spreadsheet to Katie's ultimate delight is, I realized how much money I was spending on my cable subscription, you know, because I do keep the cable in that list. And by cutting, essentially cutting the cord, I was able to save enough money to pay two months of my daughter's rent. You know, I mean, so two of the 12 months a year of rent I pay is saved simply by turning off the cable. And uh, we did that. I don't know, six months ago, I haven't missed it at all. I mean, yeah. So it's, you know, just look at uh, the big ticket items are the one that should get your attention, but, but they're all, they're all worth looking at. Um, you want to talk about what we're going to be doing next in the next phase of the show? Yes. So in the next phase, we are going to be talking about the subscriptions that we have. And I think um, a couple of, of, of high end things as, as we're talking about these that we want you to keep in mind, um, keep in mind what you're doing with your subscriptions. How, how are they serving you? Um, keep in mind what your time is worth. It's okay to have subscriptions if you enjoy them. You know, as, as sometimes I'm very hard on myself, but as David says, it's okay for me to spend $9 a month on Star Trek Discovery because I really, really enjoy that. And, um, you know, if I get, you know, three to four hours a, a month of enjoyment out of that, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's cheaper than going to the movies. And I really enjoy watching Star Trek Discovery the month that it's on. So it's okay for me to buy that. Um, you have to look at what is your time worth. Um, and especially if you're using subscriptions for things that uh, for your business, for things that you enjoy, for things that help you become more productive or become more healthy or do any of those types of things. It's okay to do those kinds of things. Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, David and I both have law, we're in the law business, and David also has a side video business. And so some of our s- subscriptions that we have may be more, more geared towards those things, but probably more yours than mine. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like I was thinking, like Dropbox is a good example. I use iCloud to such an extent now that if I didn't have, in between the legal and the video stuff, I work with enough people that are outside of Apple 
and where we need to have shared folders that I still have to pay for Dropbox, you know? Um, if I didn't have those things going, I wouldn't have those expenses. So yeah, that's probably what what keeps me too. Yeah. So as we go through these laundry lists, it's going to sound excessive. Some of the stuff I've subscribed to, honestly, I'm just I'm just shocker. You know, yeah, I'm just trying to to set Katie up here. Don't come after me too hard today because some of the stuff, like I I I subscribe to some of the stuff so I can talk about it on the show. To be honest, um, but the um, but. You know, it just, you, I guess the point, the flip side of that is if you're on, if you're feeling guilty about all the subscriptions, give yourself a break. If you've got a professional business where you need to have both iCloud and Dropbox, you shouldn't feel that you have to, to quit both of them. If it makes sense to keep them both, then keep them both. I mean, there, there's no judgment intended here. Uh, we're going to talk about the ones we like and hopefully give you some of our own impressions as to what works and what doesn't, but you, you'll have to make your own decision. Excuse me. You'll have to make your own decisions at the end of the day. So before we do that, I want to take a break and talk about our next sponsor. And this episode is brought to you in part by Eero. With Eero, you can build the Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. So if you think about all the things we live with right now that consume so much bandwidth, you need a distributed system in your home that will make sure that you get the best speeds available. And with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. It all starts with a second generation Eero device. It has three five gigahertz Wi-Fi radios, which allows you for increased speed and range. It sits flats on any service and connects either wirelessly or with ethernet. Once you've got that set up, you can easily expand your coverage throughout your home by adding in some of these cute little Eero beacons. These are these small devices that plug directly into your wall, allowing you to reach each and every corner of your home. They also double as nightlights, by the way, which is what I use them for as well. And Eero is also introducing Eero Plus. This is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help you defend all of the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and otherwise unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content, so you'll have powerful parental controls at your fingertips. It includes ad blocking functionality to help you improve load times for websites that are full of those privacy-invading ad tracking. And it's also possible to have Eero Plus track websites you visit against a database of millions of known threats to prevent you visiting anything malicious. And particularly pertinent from this show, Eero Plus even includes subscriptions to Encrypt.me for VPN protection, 1Password for password management, and Malwarebytes for antivirus solutions. So if you're already paying subscriptions to those services, you can combine them all with an Eero Plus. I've done that too. I've been using Eero Plus, and I've got to tell you, initially, I just wanted to sign up because I wanted an easy way to, number one, get the benefits of Eero Plus, but also to combine all of those other subscriptions I was using into one. If it did nothing else, that would be worth it for me. But with Eero Plus, I get all of those subscriptions I was already paying for, higher level tiers of those subscriptions than I was already paying for, and all of the benefits of Eero Plus along with it. Super simple to sign up and to register. And I know that my house is protected when I have guests and other people over because I feel pretty confident about my browsing, but I've got other people on my network too. And now I know that my internet is protected. So you never have to think about Wi-Fi again. You can get $100 off the Eero base station and the two Eero, pack, two Eero beacon package, plus a year of Eero Plus when you go to Eero.com slash MPU. That's E-E-R-O.com slash MPU and use promo code MPU at checkout. Again, Eero.com slash MPU, promo code MPU at checkout. And our, that's a great 
great deal. Our thanks to Eero for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. So uh, now that we finished the ad, I'll say I think that was kind of the first subscription we discussed <laughs> is the Eero Plus service. Okay, yeah, and and I I subscribe to that as well. I mean, I and and this isn't a deal. In fact, the subscriptions we're talking about on the show are not ones where we get them because they sponsor the show. We I'm, I'm paying for this stuff. Uh, but as my second daughter works her way through high school and all these stinky teenage boys keep coming through my house, I uh, I like to have a way to monitor the internet in Eero because I have the Eero system. The Eero Plus just makes a lot of sense. That's one I don't mind paying. It's on my list. So what are we, how are we doing this? Are we doing this round robin style? Or are we just kind of running through our subscriptions and chiming in? Because I feel like a lot of ours overlap. Yeah, let's let's just go uh, back and forth. Okay. So the big one that, that I pay for uh, is iCloud. I feel like you probably pay for that as well. Um, I'm at the $2.99 a month plan, which I think, what does that give me? Um, uh, 250 gigabytes of iCloud storage, which is really more than I need. And this is why I'm thinking about consolidating my Dropbox over to iCloud, because I, like many people, needed to upgrade when I started putting my photo library on iCloud. And now I've got all the storage space. I really don't know what to do with it. So I've started moving all of my own personal documents and data over to iCloud. We've talked about that transition on the show before. Um, David, you told me it was going to be okay. If it's not, I'm going to hold you personally responsible for any data loss that I might okay. incur. I will say that I am completely backed up multiple ways, but still um, – I have kept the work stuff on Dropbox. Yeah. My biggest complaint is the file management on iPad is still too, it's still bad, you know? So that's, you know, it gives you access to that stuff, but you know, it, it could be so much better. I, I, that's, and that's another show, but the, the low hanging fruit on the iPad really is the file system. Anyway, uh, I agree. I use iCloud. We have the the full on terabyte because we have family sharing and it's actually been really nice because a couple of years ago, Apple made it so you could just have one account and share it for the whole family. Because I've got four people taking pictures with iPhones that have really you know nice lenses that take big file sizes. And uh, before we had multiple iCloud accounts that was, uh, and a lot of them were just enough to charge like a, an additional tier than we wanted. But once we were able to combine it all into one terabyte, we fit just fine in that. And um that's a easy one for me at $10 a month. I should say we've we've kind of broken this up into categories. I think the ones we came up with were software, entertainment and utilities and services. Are we kind of sticking with those? Yeah, I mean but uh, and you know there's a there's a separate vector to all this is the stuff we use personally versus stuff we use professionally. Um but let's just keep it simple with what we have so far. Uh, and what I would add to iCloud is I think this is one where people are too hesitant to subscribe. I'm not sure that's true about our listeners, but just in the general world at large, I meet a lot of people who don't have their photos backed up because they're unwilling to pay a dollar a month, $12 a year, just to get a little extra storage so they can back up all their photos. And I, you know, I understand why you feel that way. You spend all this money on the, the iPhone. Why should I have to pay Apple more money to store my photos? But that's the way it is. And, you know, don't take a point on principle that's going to cost you your images. Yeah, I I just finally got my parents to subscribe. They they've been I I turned them on to family sharing. They may not know that they're turned on to family sharing, but they are. And um, I just got them finally to subscribe to iCloud, and that's how I sold it. Is my mom was getting a message of I can't says I can't back up my phone anymore, and I said, well, we're going to back up your phone 
and it's going to back up all of your photos. Oh, and we're really going to do this for dad because dad needs his stuff backed up and you know he's not going to do it. Okay, if we're doing it for your father, then then I'll do it. I was like, all right, great. I, I usually, because quite often it's the dollar tier is all they need. And I just say, look, for the cost of hamburger and fries a year, you're going to have all your pictures backed up. Is it worth it to you? You know, are your pictures worth more to you than a one hamburger and a, a thing of fries? And usually they come along. I, you know, this just kind of gets back to what we were talking about, the whole animosity towards subscriptions that people feel. Yeah. And in some respects, I feel like it's being pecked to death by ducks. If I wish it, I wish I could pay twelve dollars once, as opposed to a dollar a month. And, and honestly, I if I if someone put me in charge of Apple tomorrow, I would just immediately say, if you buy a device from us, your photos are just going to get backed up. Don't worry about it. Oh, but the services revenue. I know, I know. I probably get fired, but the um, it's just silly when you think about how much money we spend on this stuff. I just bought an iPad from them. That's the cost of a laptop. But yet I still have to pay $10 a month for this iCloud account. So, you know, anyway, I, I totally understand the outrage, but you got to do it. All right. Well, we've harped on that one. What's another one that you're using? One that is, I, I find a good value for my money. It'll be a, a shocker to some of the listeners that have listened to the show for a long time is I'm very happy to give Microsoft $10 a month for the Office 365 subscription. Um, this is a more professional one for me. I, if I was not doing contracts every day as a lawyer, I probably wouldn't have it because pages is pretty good and it's free, but in my business, you need office. And with the subscription, I get a version on my iPad. I get a version on my Mac. Uh, it's always up to date. You know, whenever they come up with a new version, it automatically shows up and, um, $10 a month to me is a, is a fair price. I also have Office 365. Again, this is this is one that I bought um, through a bundle deal. They were really making a pitch when I when I finished my um, uh, my LLM program. They were making a huge pitch for people who were graduating, and I was like, you know, I'm practicing. And they're like, it's fine. You're graduating with a new degree. You can do it. You qualify to buy it, and they would give you a ridiculous price if you bought it for four years. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, so when the when the four years is up, we'll we'll see. But um, yeah, I think it's one that I'm I'm gonna end up needing to buy. I have always in the past, until I got this deal, just bought the box set and and updated it every couple of years. So it's really convenient, and you get a new machine, you just install it from the web. It's great. You know, I've I've been really happy with it. But once again, that's one that more relates to the professional side. How about you? Um, one that I keep paying for is Backblaze, and because you know I'm all about the backup. And it's 60 bucks a, a year, which is how I usually pay for it. Or you could do the $5 a month thing. But um, it's it's one that I just, I pay for it every year. I pay for it by the year. I set it and forget it. And it it just takes a load off me. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look at that one and raise my eyebrows sometimes because I have so many hard drives and they're scattered all over Southern California, you know, because you know, I, I encrypt them and give them to family members to hold for me. And I, you know, I've got an offsite backup, but every year, ultimately, I pay the money for Backblaze because it's just so just the peace of mind you get from that, knowing you have everything backed up one more place and it's not even in the state. You know, we do have things like, you know, wildfires and earthquakes out here. So I guess it's a good idea to have the stuff just outside the state of California. 
Well, and David, I have I have no doubt that you could formulate a backup strategy and that you could protect your data. But how much time are you going to spend on that? How how much effort are you going to spend on that? And is everyone else really going to do that when you could just spend 60 bucks a year and be done with it? Agreed. And and honestly, what I end up doing is both anyway. I still have an effective backup strategy that doesn't require it, but I still use it too. Um, one that I subscribe to is this is a sponsor of the show is text expander. And not only do I subscribe to the text expander service, I subscribe to the team service. I've got a, a an offsite assistant and I deal with a lot of email and various requests and other things I need to do where text expander makes a lot of sense. But like one of the things I do is, um, sometimes I need to send out links that are changing over time. I can just update that in Text Expander when my assistant uses them. She gets the updated link. She doesn't even know that they've changed. And um, it's just I found it the best solution for the problem of, of dealing with uh, common textings. And that, in, in addition to all the day-to-day stuff I do, like, you know, I really do like the, um, the fill-in fields and the customization. I mean, you guys have listened to the show for any amount of time. You know that me and Katie are both big Text Expander enthusiasts. But I, I found the team service which I pay for, you know, is, uh, has been a good value for me. Yeah. I, I also, um, subscribe to text expander and it's, it's one that I couldn't live without. So it's, it, it wasn't a hard decision. I know that there are some alternatives and there are some, um, non-subscription ones, but it's, it's one that I've, I've kept, kept going with. Um, another one, we might as well just get these all out while we're going with it, uh, also a sponsor of the show um, is, is and they're not sponsoring this particular episode, but that's SaneBox. Um, I will tell you, David, and I've, I've said this in the ad spots before, and this is not a, a paid endorsement or ad spot. I did not think that I would subscribe to SaneBox. Um, I, I did so purely because they were a sponsor and I felt like I, I had to at least understand it and try it out. Um, and <laughs> I have kept coming back year after year because it, it really has been one of those that has made a difference for me. So um, it, one of those that I encourage you to try if you think that this is a problem you have that might solve something. Um, but it, it was one that surprised me. I, I didn't think that I would end up using it beyond the trial period or maybe beyond the first year or so. And it was one that really stuck. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned, uh, last week that we had kind of a family crisis last month and it's all okay. And once again, you know, full disclosure, don't send me email. I'm everything's fine. We're good. But as a result, I had to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, out out of the saddle last month. And uh, Samebox made a huge difference in me, at least allowing me to manage the most important emails. Uh, while a lot of the the other stuff didn't get managed, email was handled, and it's because of that subscription. The other thing I like about it is because I keep switching email clients. It, it it's it's a web service. It just follows me to wherever I want to go. Um, one that I uh. Wow. A couple of these are sponsors, gang. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, but I, I don't want to punish them for being sponsors and not talk about them is Squarespace, the the ad that everybody's heard. But I use Squarespace. And in fact, I won't go into it in great length, but I use it for Max Sparky. I use it for Sparks Law. I use it for the thing my wife is doing. Um, it's just because it's so simple, it, it solves the problem for me. Yeah, I'll I'll just second that. I've got a, a couple of Squarespace sites as, as well. Um Another one that I have uh, uh, didn't realize exactly the the big one that has added up a lot for me is domain names. 
now. I happen to have mine with Hover, who again is a sometimes sponsor of the show, but it, it really doesn't matter who your registrar is. These things, can I say they're like Tribbles because they kind of are like that too? Or is it just HomePods that are like Tribbles? There's lots of Tribbles in our lives. I think I might be getting another HomePod for Christmas. Oh, that's great. I know. That's great. I did not buy it because it was on sale at, at Best Buy. But let's just say a member of my family said, when is that that thing that you wanted that it's on sale at Best Buy and it's on right now? And and what color did you want? Okay. And showed me a picture of it. Just checking. All right. Great. Thanks. Assuming Santa brings one to you, where 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 does it go? Um, I'm going to make a stereo pair in my living room. Oh, nice. That'll be nice. Yeah. Anyway, back back to um, domain names. They are also like triples. And you can you can register domain names sometimes um, out of a out of a lark because you think something's funny and you want to register a domain name. Uh, or sometimes it's for a business that never took off or an idea that you had that never took off. But then they just keep auto renewing. Now, I have a bunch of domain names and then I have a lot of variations of those domain names. And I had to kind of go through and call my list and figure, all right, what of these do I really need to keep because they're the domain names that I want? And what of these do I need to keep because they're kind of, you know, protection for the domain names that I want, you know, like they're common misspellings or they're the .net or the dot, you know, .co versions. And then one of these can I realistically let go because I'm not going to do anything with. So, but um, it was not an insignificant number when I added up how much those were costing me a year. Well, one of the things I like about uh, Hover is they send you an email before they renew, even automatically. So it gives you that chance to reconsider. Um a service that I have uh, been now subscribed to, I think this is my second year, that I use every day is Grammarly. And, um, I, you know, grammar checkers always were kind of terrible, but this one is really good. And it's just been super useful for me. I use it all the time. This is one that I also subscribe to. I actually had it under my utilities and services column. Yeah, maybe that's where it belongs, yeah. Grammarly took me a long time. There, there is a free version, so I would say try try the free version if you if you want to. It took me a long time to pull the trigger, and you can occasionally find a deal on it. Like somewhere, sometimes Stack Social will give you a deal, so you can get your first year for fairly inexpensive. But it took me a long time to pull the trigger, and what I ultimately realized is that. I was going to save myself a significant amount of money by subscribing to this service because it would then keep me from having to hire someone to copy edit my stuff for me because I am just abysmal at doing this myself. And when you think about, um, and there are things you still may want to copy editor on, but just for the, the day-to-day writing, uh, that that's a good way to think about some of these subscriptions is, you know, what would it cost you on the flip side? Like the text expander thing, me having the automatic stuff, and therefore, the, the virtual assistant to get the right emails out is much cheaper than it would cost for me to like manage that with her on a daily basis. Um, so that I think that's a good way to think about it. Um, uh, another one I s- signed up for as a trial this year in January, which I will be renewing, is day one. Um, for the longest time, it was a it was probably the premier diary app for iOS. Um, they've grown it a lot over the last few years. They've got a Mac version and now, so now it's on all the Apple devices. They've added some great features like they have now, not only a way to record yourself for a daily entry, 
which makes me think of Picard and his captain's log anytime I add an audio transcription to it. But they also transcribe that recording when you make it. So if you don't see yourself being someone that creates diary entries by writing out things, you can just speak them out and it saves a recording of your voice and, and gives you a transcription of it. And I've just found that um, the daily practice of diarying um, is something I really enjoyed this year. I didn't know if I'd like it or not. It was, I think, 35 bucks to sign up for a year. And I've definitely got that value out of it. And I'll, I'll be going back for that one next year. Um, another one, they're sponsored, so I won't dwell on this. But we talked about it. I, I also subscribe to 1Password. 1Password is one that does have a freestanding service. So if you don't want to subscribe, you don't have to. Um, if you subscribe, you do get their cloud sync and some other features. You can also buy the standalone version of the app. So I think it's nice to have options. Um, but if you subscribe to it, you also get all of the regular updates and those types of things. So it's one that I subscribe to. It's one that I want to continue to support development. And it's kind of one of my must-haves. Well, you know, we've got some more we want to talk about. But before we do that, I want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, who has already been mentioned in today's show. That's our friends over at Squarespace. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain and award-winning templates and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Whatever it is you want to make on the internet, Squarespace has got you covered with their all-in-one platform that will help you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. I already mentioned on the show that I use them for multiple websites. And the reason is I don't want to be a web developer. I want to make stuff for the internet, not manage websites. So with Squarespace, you don't have to worry about anything. They just cover it for you. They've got 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all those award-winning templates are beautifully designed to help you show off your great ideas without making every site look like a quote-unquote Squarespace site. They're, you, know, you can adjust them and make them look just the way you want. I use it for Max Sparky. I use it for SparkCSQ.com. I get tons of compliments on both of those websites. People want to know who my web guy is, who made it for me so they can hire him. And I always have to tell them I spend $12 a month and I get it through Squarespace. Because that's where plans start at Squarespace, just $12 a month. But you can start with a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU. And that will get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And it shows your support for the Mac Power users. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, Squarespace, for all of your support and helping all of my websites look beautiful. So do we want to move on to entertainment or do you have any more just software related picks? Um, let's see here. Drafts. I'll go kind of quickly through some of the drafts. I, I pay a subscription for it. Uh, when drafts came out on a subscription model, Greg, the developer, made a very generous kind of previous version. He left the, the prior version available. Like he, he handled it right. I think one of the things we've seen over the years is developers are much more savvy about ways to offer consumers options that don't want to have subscriptions. Um, but I do pay a subscription for drafts. I, I want to show support for the developer. It's not too much money. And he's coming, you know, he's working on a Mac version. And there's just a whole bunch of stuff coming out that you get when the applications get, you know, full time support. Um, Setup is another one that I subscribe to. That one's a little more expensive. 
but um, I get so much value out of it. I get Ulysses. I get all of the, um, you know, I get um, clean my Mac and some of these other kind of expensive applications constantly updated through it. And it also gives me a constant uh, list of new applications that I can test out, you know, um, iStat menus. I mean, all the stuff that I used to buy repeatedly and upgrade repeatedly, I get now with just a set up subscription. And it does allow me to find new apps for the, the shows and the, and the blog. The only other one I think that I would, would add that um, I haven't talked about before is I was disappointed when this happened, but Quicken moved to a uh, subscription model. And there's really no other way, I think, to buy it at this point rather than their subscription model. Um, so I did, but I bought it. And I think the least subscription way that I could is that I think I bought three years at a time from Amazon. So hopefully I at least won't have to think about it for a while. The, um, I've got a few more that aren't on your list. Okay. You still do. Yeah. I mean, of course I do. Uh, bear, I, I've been giving bear a real try lately. Um, there are things I like about it better and worse. But, you know, I think one of my promises for Katie's last month is I'm not going to talk about note apps. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So that's one of my gifts to you. But I, I'm paying a small a yearly subscription fee for that while I try it out. Um, uh, I signed up for a subscription with Teachable when I s- set up the learn.maxsparky site. Uh, this is one where I could have built my own, um, you know, WordPress, um, you know, e-commerce site to distribute video. But it, it kind of like it reminded me of Squarespace. Teachable already has solved all the problems. They even manage and pay the taxes for you, so I don't have to figure that out. And um, it just made sense to use something that is kind of already built for me, and you have to pay a subscription fee for it. So I do. Uh, I already mentioned that I pay a subscription for Dropbox. Um, one of the uh, ones that is I'm looking at now every six weeks very closely is. Um, this year uh, on my, um, my law practice, I had, when I first started out, I had a, uh, a telephone service that I is very good. I think, you know, they're there. If you need someone to answer the phone for you, I stand by my early recommendations of Ruby receptionists. I think they're outstanding, but it was, it was quite expensive. And I, the way my practice has evolved, I mean, most of my clients have my cell phone number. So, and I'm not necessarily looking for a bunch of people to call in, and I don't do the type of law where I have a, have a lot of conversations with courts and things. So it just didn't make sense for me to pay that amount of money for a service that was getting almost no use. Um, so I switched over off of Ruby to something much less expensive. I'll talk, I'll talk about that later. Um, but then I also got thinking, well, how could I use some of the money that I did in savings to improve the the relationship with my existing clients, what service do I need that I could be more of service? And one of the things I do often with my clients is I work on contracts and transactions with them, you know, sometimes fairly complicated transactions. And I, I notice a recurring problem where a client will ask me a year later and they want to ask about some detail of the transaction. And currently it's a, a, it's a saved folder of documents. It's an email chain. It's just a, it's kind of stuff that's spread out around different digital breadcrumbs. And I wanted to pull all that together and I did a big search and I ended up using Basecamp. And Basecamp is an expensive subscription. This is one of those professional ones. But I tried it out for the free month and the Basecamp people I really like. I think they're just quality people and they make a good product. And the people I tried it out with were super excited about it. And I've got some clients that are really into it. 
Um, the overall buy-in from my clients overall isn't as high as a percentage as I hoped it would be. So uh, I'm still questioning, does this make sense for me to pay you know, this subscription rate uh, if I'm not going to have all my clients using it? But it does actually solve a big problem. So I probably will at least for the first year to see where it goes. Uh, and, um, and I already talked about dragon dragons out. So <laughs> poor dragon. I know I, I feel bad, but I mean, they just, something went wrong with the iOS app and I sent emails. I didn't get any responses. I just, you know, and, and, and this is one of those things where a subscription that used to make sense no longer made sense because other technology caught up with it. That, that isn't, you know, a monthly fee fee. So another, so that's kind of our software-based subscriptions. Another area where people spend a lot on subscriptions is in the entertainment realm. And I know that you spend a lot more on subscriptions here than, than I do. And maybe you could throw in, I, I, I kind of say you're, you're, I don't throw into this category like my, my cable subscription because uh, I give cable internet because I feel like that's more of a utility or a necessity at this point. But all of those other things that, that we add in over the top for, for entertainment. Now, you recently cut your cable television um, uh, bill. Have you found that as a result of cutting the cable that you have added on top any more apps and services than you had before? Um, just one. <laughs> um, so, you know, the world's a little crazy right now. We don't talk about politics in this show, but the world's a little crazy. And my wife likes a little escape once in a while. And, uh, that's the Hallmark channel for her. You know, she, she loves the Hallmark channel. And so when we cut our cable, that was, I said, these are the things we won't have anymore. And the Hallmark channel is the part where Daisy's like, Oh, wait a second, buddy, we need the Hallmark channel. So it's $50 a year to get unlimited Hallmark channel on your Apple TV. And, uh, we added that one. Well, if that is all you did, if you cut your cable and all you added back was the Hallmark channel, that's, that's a huge win. Because I'll tell you what so many people do when they cut the cable is they end up adding back all of these extra services and they just end up paying a la carte almost as much, if not more than they were paying for their cable subscription or that they would pay for a stripped down cable subscription. Yeah. Well, we can, we kind of did it in reverse because I realized we were already paying for a bunch of these extra services people get because we have Netflix, Amazon, and HBO. We had all, all three of those services, but that was where like 90% of the TV and YouTube, I mean, 90% of the TV watching was being done through those services. So it wasn't really that hard to sell my family on dumping cable because we already had those. Um, I will tell you, as we're recording this episode, uh, we're just coming off the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I think most of us were, were I was, um, uh, my office was closed for, I we, didn't do anything Thursday or Friday. You know, most people just took a, a four day week and, and I took the opportunity. I watched a lot of Netflix. I don't usually watch much TV, but um, I watched a fair amount of Netflix and I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. Anything good I should pay attention to? I was watching a lot of, uh, I, I will tell you, I finished up House of Cards and I was not impressed. I mainly watched it just because I felt like I wanted to finish it, but it was not good this season. I didn't think. Yeah. I gave up on that show after one season. So. All right. So we, we've established that we both do Netflix. Um, and we both do Amazon Prime. Now, Amazon Prime, I think that the video component is really just an add-on. What most people subscribe to Amazon for is the um, the free shipping 
component that comes with that. And we did an entire show. In fact, if I can find it, I, I can link in the show notes about all of the other services that come with an Amazon Prime subscription. You get so much more for Amazon Prime than just free shipping. In fact, it's arguable now that the free shipping benefit is one of the lesser used benefits of Amazon Prime because Amazon just went out and announced that they were giving everybody free shipping for the holidays. And I was like, well, gee, thanks. So glad I pay for Amazon Prime. Um, I don't use the video service as much as I probably should, but, you know, to, to justify the use out of it, I, I will tell you Amazon Prime might be one that I start looking a little harder at in terms of whether I want to continue to renew it because I would really... I would really like to stop buying as much as I do from Amazon because I feel Amazon has become my default store that I buy things from because I have the free prime shipping. So I probably need to go back and see how much stuff do I really benefit from the free prime shipping versus not. We'll see. Yeah. And there were some grumblings on the forum after that, after the gift guide went out um, that, you know, Hey, how come you guys just keep talking about Amazon and some of the listeners aren't big fans of Amazon and, Honestly, I've, I've bookmarked all that stuff. I'm going to go read it and figure it out. But but I thought I should at least acknowledge that today. Who doesn't like Amazon? Why? No. But the um the other thing, but on the subject of Amazon, I have an add-on subscription, and this one is all me. You know where where the hallmark is Daisy. Uh, it's called Acorn, and it's all the British TV, and the um it's five dollars a month, and you get access to I think just about everything on BBC. And I just really like the way they make TV in Britain. I mean, the the episode, the the seasons are usually much shorter than they are in America. Um, I enjoy the humor. I enjoy some of the drama. I like mysteries once in a while. And um, it's just been a really good subscription for me. Jean McDonald talked me that and talked me into that once. She was staying at my house and she says, just sign up for a month. And that was like two years ago. And And often if I want to watch some TV, I will go on Acorn and find something I like. Now, I know that you subscribe to Apple Music. I I subscribe to iTunes Match. Yeah, um, and we we've kind of been over that before quite a bit, but I it's a it's a great deal for me, Apple Music. There's four people in my house, $15 a month, and we all aggressively use it. And really the only reason I subscribe to iTunes Match is so that my music goes to my home pods. So, 25 bucks a year is kind of the price I pay to do that. I mean, now when you get to 10 HomePods, will you have to pay extra for that? I don't think so. I think it's unlimited HomePods, but I think I'm done with the HomePods now. Okay. I'm done. Uh, we have HBO and that is my children. Um, they, they, uh, they, uh, you know, they, uh, they sweet talked me into buying that one. I don't use it. Um, and soon I will subscribe to Disney because they do have two Star Wars series announced and I'll probably at least subscribe for a couple of months to see if they're any good. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we talk about this and I I've heard Jason Snell talk about this cause he talks uh, on his upstream uh, portion of, um, uh, of his podcast about, you know, most people have a spot for a couple of subscription services, but they'll max out, you know, most people subscribe to Amazon, they subscribe to Netflix and you might get one or two more out of them. But really, Apple is competing with their music service if they come out. They're competing for that third spot, maybe that fourth spot, depending on how many services. Because we talked about you have the subscription fatigue. How many are you going to subscribe to? And um, and does Apple have enough compelling content to make that cut? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, uh, a, a ongoing theme through the show is you have to earn it. 
whether it's an app or an entertainment service, I mean, the the Star Wars license is going to at least get me to try something. Um, I don't know. I know. I know. There's all these rumors about what's going on with Apple TV and um, on upgrade. They even do a segment on it. I forget what they call it. Um, upstream. I think someone upstream. Said that. Yeah, where Jason and and Mike actually go through all the rumors about stuff Apple is going to be adding to their service. I haven't really paid that close of attention to it. And when they come out, I'll I'll look at it. But I, uh, you know, that's n- by no means an automatic buy for me. Um, and then just kind of, I think that that covers most of the um, the entertainment type stuff that that I oh, Overcast would be the last one that I do. I subscribe to Overcast. You know, Marco has made that hard because he gives you just about everything for free with Overcast now. But for nine bucks a year, I I like to support Marco, and you do still get the um, the upload service as well as the the ad free version if you subscribe to up, uh, Overcast. Um, you want to talk about utilities and services? Yeah, we can do that because I don't I don't have very many. Um, my my big ones are um, my VPN, which is now rolled into that um, Euro Plus subscription because I was using Encrypt.me. Me too. Um, I am a big fan of my Ring doorbell, and I'm hopefully adding some some more cameras, like the the floodlight cameras and those types of things. Um, so I pay thirty bucks a year for my doorbell, or you can pay a hundred bucks a year for everything. And I think you've got you've got a different service you use. I, I do the same thing with Canary and we have some outdoor and some indoor cameras and it's just, you know, that's the horse I got on at some point. I, I wish that uh, they were on a home kit, but I'm at the same time. Okay. With them not being on a home kit. I subscribed to Nomo Robo. I subscribed for a year and I let it lapse because I felt like it wasn't really doing anything. And I decided I was going to let it lapse. And then it very likely was coincidental. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I started getting a slew of spam calls. And so I resubscribed, and the spam calls have stopped. I still feel like it might be coincidental. But so I've I've unsubscribed, although I still have it until, like, um, I don't remember, um, like October or so, because it was fairly recently. So I've unsubscribed, and we'll see. I guess you won't be able to remind me. We'll, we'll talk about it offline. But I'm going to put a note in OmniFocus, like, do spam calls restart? If my p- spam calls restart in October, maybe it won't be coincidental. Do you, do you want me to put it in my OmniFocus next October you, to call if you, you could put it, If you could put it in your OmniFocus in, like, November. Let's try it in November and ask me in November if I've been getting a ton of spam calls. I, I will. I'll do that. <laughs> That's assuming you don't think when I call that I'm a spam call. That's true. Yeah. And then we'll know whether it's working or not. Yeah, the uh, I mentioned earlier that I had backed down on my telephone service. I'm using Line Two now in the business, and that's a monthly fee. And it's, I mean, it's such a small percentage of what I was paying before, but it's just a basically it's a direct to message or a direct to my phone if I want, and it's been fine. And I, I did some research. There were two or three vendors that seemed like they were probably worth trying, and I signed up for a year of Line Two because it just made sense, and uh, it's been fine. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Luna Display. Luna Display is the solution to help turn your iPad into a wireless display from your Mac. So you'll always have a super portable second display with stunning image quality and basically zero lag. Setting up Luna Display is simple. You just plug in a piece of hardware into your Mac and you will be up and running in seconds with everything working all over Wi-Fi. You don't have to worry about having access to a Wi-Fi connection. You just connect via USB and it is super simple. 
Luna Display also acts as a complete extension to your Mac. It supports external keyboards as well as the Apple Pencil and touch interactions. So it basically turns your Mac into a touchscreen device. Uh, the folks at Luna were kind enough to send me one to try out, and I love it. I love the fact that you can take um, my I can take my MacBook Pro anywhere that I want to go, whether it's a coffee shop or if I'm in a hotel room, or what I do more often than not just down to the table um, downstairs because I normally have my big monitor set up upstairs and I can continue to spread out and work, have a little bit of change of scenery and still have all the benefits I need of a second monitor. It is complete plug and play and ready to go. If you uh, want a second monitor for your Mac, maybe you don't want to buy one, or you want to use that beautiful iPad that you already have, you can try Luna Display. It works with so many iPads. In fact, it goes back so far. Chances are, if you've got an iPad, you've got an iPad that's compatible with Luna Display. You can learn more and get an exclusive 10% discount on your Luna Display by going to lunadisplay.com. That's L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com and entering promo code POWER at checkout. Again, that's Luna Display. Display.com and entering promo code POWER at checkout. And thanks to our friends at Luna Display for their continued support of the show. So we've got a couple that we don't sign up for that are, but are probably worth mentioning. Yeah, you know, what I did is I went through the forums and tried to tried to pick out um, some of the ones that kept being mentioned regularly. And, and so um, just to kind of make a laundry list of those that, that people regularly mentioned. Um, Evernote is a popular one. I, I know that there's been a lot of talk about Evernote recently, but a lot of people still subscribe to Evernote. And hey, I, I got a lot of value out of Evernote for a long time. And just because I'm not using it anymore doesn't mean that it's not a great app and service. So um, that's one to definitely consider. Yeah, Adobe Adobe Cloud is another one that that comes up every time you talk about this stuff, and they've got some of their subscriptions can get quite expensive. And uh, for me, this is a good example of you know looking carefully at it. Like if you are a design professional, Adobe Cloud is a no brainer. Just like Microsoft Office is a no brainer for somebody that writes contracts. Um, but if you're not making your you know paying for your shoes on the stuff, there are other options out there like. Um, Pixelmator Pro is the app I've been using for years as a photo uh, app, and it's you, I bought it once, and then I never have to pay a subscription on it. And because of the uh, you know the the amount of time I spend editing photos, that's fine. So it, you know that that fits for me, as opposed to a subscription with Adobe Cloud. Yeah, I forgot to talk about both of these before, but G Suite is a Google suite of products that gives you email, contacts, calendar sync, all of those things. It's typically five bucks a month um, and you can add as you go. It's a great product if you're running a small business or or just need email, contacts and calendar sync for for your own thing. Um, Dropbox is another one that we both talked about, but I don't think we specifically called out. I, I do subscribe to that one. Yeah, yeah I do too. Um, I had a lot of people in the forums mention um, you need a budget, YNAB, which uh, is probably another good way that you can keep in track of some of these subscriptions. Um, uh, a lot of uh, educational services are subscription-based. Uh, Screencast Online, our friend Don McAllister, um, has a great service as well as lynda.com. Yeah, you know, because I did some courses for Linda, I had a uh... I guess an author account or something for the longest time. And just last month it turned off on me. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I think my freebie is over because it's been several years since I did that course for them. But the, uh, I may end up going back and subscribing to that one because that is something like, because I'm a weirdo, I will on a Friday night, if everybody's out of the house, put a Linda course on and watch it. So <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, Katie, but I may be going back to Linda. 
Um, lots of entertainment services we didn't talk about. Um, Hulu um, is one. Spotify, if you're not an Apple Music subscriber, is probably the most uh, popular alternative. Um, and then Audible. Um, I actually just helped my mom subscribe for an Audible account recently, and she's really enjoying it. Plex is another one. A lot of folks use that to uh, serve up their media through their, uh, you know, to, if you want to go around and use your, like your own server, Plex is a great option. We did a whole show on Plex years ago. Um, I didn't really talk about this on the uh, call it out individually because it, it would be awkward to call out individual um, podcasts and services. But, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, creators out there who have their own uh, ways that you can support them, either through some kind of podcast sponsorship. Uh, Relay happens to have one of these uh, through a website sponsorship like you know Six Colors or Mac Stories or through some other kind of direct support like through Patreon. There's a, a lot of those going on um, now. And um, I, I know the people who make those products uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, and, and honestly, it is harder to make a living in advertising on the internet these days. So that helps keep some of those channels open. The um, uh, And utilities and services, one of the ones I didn't mention that I have recently subscribed to is Zapier. And uh, Rose and I have been covering that a lot on automators lately that we're trying to get into deep, some real deep automation stuff with Zapier. And I actually, it's, it's a really impressive service. One that I didn't mention because it wasn't purely tech-based um, is I, I have a home security system and mine's a little techier than, than others. But um, that's another one that, that I keep a monthly subscription to because I like the idea of if something happens and I'm not home, that the police are going to come. You know, I think the overall message, though, is that rent versus buy is now a big thing. And um, like I was just reading an article recently that um, both Uber and Lyft are looking into subscription models for their services, particularly if you live in an urban area where you pay X amount a month just to have a car come get you when you need it. And you know, this stuff is, is happening and you just have to bring some logic to the game to see if it makes sense. Um, this is something we talked about on free agents, but now I don't really have my own car anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't travel enough. We have two cars for three people and um, it works fine. And occasionally I have to get a lift if I have to go to a meeting that crops up unexpectedly. And when I, when I balance the cost of that in, to my monthly budget versus the cost of owning another car, paying for tires and gas and insurance and all that. It totally makes sense for me, but you know, there, there is, you can game the system to your own advantage and it goes way beyond this tech stuff. Mike and I went into it on free agents because for me, I, I can actually get work done while someone's driving me. I, I always said, you know, if I had Steve jobs money, you know, back when he was alive and super rich you know, what would I change in my life? And I, I don't enjoy driving. I'd love to have someone drive me or plus I could take a nap and do my work. And I've kind of figured out how to do that now, kind of on, on a budget. And it ends up costing me less money than it would for me to own a car. It's, but that's just based on the way my life is right now. And if I had to go to an office every day, it would be a different story, but it works for me. All right. Um, a couple of big picture takeaways that I, I think is Im important for us to to get away from and, and maybe just circling around to this. I, I do have some final thoughts if there was anything else that, that we wanted to wrap up with this. Um, the big one that I wanted to say is that although I have not always been personally a fan of subscriptions, that they aren't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you do need to be aware of what you're spending and how. It, it can be very easy for these subscriptions to get away from you. 
And I think the big thing here is knowledge, is that if you know what you're spending and how much you're spending and what you're spending it on, that um, that you you can make much more educated decisions and, and much more informed buying choices for that. Um, the other thing that I would say is um, monthly recurring charges are a way of life. Many of us have lease payments. Many of us have mortgages. We, we pay rent. We pay utilities. Um, you, you can't, as much as I would love to, you can't get away from them completely. So uh, recurring charges aren't necessarily a bad thing. They're, they're a thing that we're here and that we live with. Yeah. And I, I think the idea of 12X on a monthly charge is the number you should have in your mind when you sign up for it. You know, what's it going to cost me per year? Not, not for one month. And that idea that it, when a developer or a service provider decides they're going to start charging you a subscription, they have uh, asked you to up your game. They've asked you to become a supporter of their business. And in turn, I believe they need to up their game and you need to hold them accountable and they have to earn that subscription from you. And you just need to have a system to keep them in check. And if you feel like that the app isn't getting the support it needs, or if it's just not earning its keep anymore, don't feel bad about canceling it because you know times change, other technologies arise and that's just the way it works. The, the other thing that I think is something I need to remind myself of more often than not is um, keep in mind what your time is worth. It's not always about the bottom line and the bottom dollar that you're spending. What is the benefit that you're receiving from these services, whether it's in terms of enjoyment, whether it's in terms of time saved? Um, keep in mind what is, what is your, your time worth and what's the cost benefit that you're getting back for the money that you're spending? Because you may be trying to save off a couple of bucks a month and ultimately spending more time and effort to do that than you're saving. Yeah. I mean, getting back to the dictation challenges I've been having is one of my potential solutions of canceling Dragon is there are services out there that will have a human type up your dictation for you. It's more expensive, but I don't need it that often. And like I'm I'm looking, I don't want to really mention any out right now because I'm testing a bunch of them and I'll wait until I have something I could properly recommend. But you know, I'm looking that at that as well. I mean, it, it may cost even a little bit more money whenever I come up with this new solution, but it'll serve me better. Well, I think that's going to about wrap us up for this episode. If you've got more comments about subscriptions or thoughts on subscriptions, uh, you'll find a link to this episode in the show notes. You can, or excuse me, you'll find a link to this episode in our forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com where you can continue this discussion. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Gazelle, Eero, Squarespace, and Luna. And we will see you all next time.